to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm in the studio again with Brandon Cox. Hey, how's it going? And we want to wish you a happy 4th of July weekend. What a celebration. I've literally lived all around the world. I've lived in countries on multiple continents. I've lived in South and Central America. I've lived in Europe. I spent a summer in Asia, Nepal. I've obviously lived in North America, where I live now. I have lived in many different countries across the planet. I love other cultures. I love other countries. But you know what? There's nothing quite like the freedom that we enjoy here in this country. So today and this weekend, I encourage you to celebrate that freedom. And while you're doing that, I would encourage you to ask the people that you rub shoulders with this weekend if they feel like they're really free. It's a great way to get into a conversation about the freedom that you really have in Christ. See, in Galatians 5.1, it says that in Christ we have true freedom. A lot of people, even though they are politically free, they lack the true freedom that every single person is looking for. So why not use that? as a conversation starter this week to begin sharing your faith with those that you love and those that you happen to be hanging out with this 4th of July weekend. Well, again, before we even get further in the show, I just wanted to say I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July weekend, and I hope that you really remember all that we're celebrating this weekend and enjoy the freedom that we have as Americans and even more the freedom that we have as Christians. Well, last week, Brandon and I were interviewing Josh McDowell, world-renowned Christian apologist Josh McDowell. We recently did this interview with him and had the opportunity to air it here on the station. We aired the first part of the interview. We didn't get to do the whole thing, but it was an exciting beginning to the interview. We talked with him a little bit about his new book, God Breathed, and about some cutting-edge evidence, some of these new manuscripts that they're discovering, which really go back to some of the earliest manuscripts of the New Testament documents that have ever been uncovered. We talked with Dr. Craig Evans recently about some of these same types of manuscripts. It's a different study. Craig Evans is working with the Green Scholars Initiative, and Josh McDowell is talking about some of the manuscripts that he and his own team have found. So they're two different research groups. Both are exciting. If you want to hear about the manuscript that Craig Evans, Dr. Craig Evans discussed, go to God Solution Show and look for the Dr. Craig Evans interview, the most recent one, because we've interviewed him in the past as well. But he'll be talking about some of the same stuff. But anyway, I hope you're getting excited for an incredible second part to the interview with Josh McDowell. It'll be exciting talking more about some of these manuscripts and about his new book. It'll be really interesting to get into all of that. If you missed last week's interview, go to godsolutionshow.com, again, under past shows, and you'll see last week's interview. If you missed it, you don't want to miss it. You definitely want to go back and hear it. So you can definitely go back and hear that one. Even if you heard it last week, go back and check it out again. It was a great interview. But before we get into the interview with Josh McDowell, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Josh McDowell. Well, as most of you know, Josh McDowell is one of the most famous Christian apologists in history. He has sold millions of books. I'll tell you a bit more about that. But I'm personally thankful for this opportunity to talk with him because he had an incredible impact on my life as a teenager. See, as I began encountering doubt, as I grew in my faith and in my walk with God, I didn't know where to turn or where to look for the evidence. My father, 
wisely suggested that I read A Ready Defense by Josh McDowell. So as about a 13-year-old, I started reading A Ready Defense by Josh McDowell. And that book literally saved my life. It was just what I needed at just the right time. And it really turned me on to some other great avenues of research as well. And I began looking into other issues and other books on other topics by other authors. But I'm so thankful for the impact that Josh had on my life through that one book and through other books over the years. So it's just an incredible privilege to interview him on The God Solution Show. Well, here's a little bit more about Josh. Josh completed his college degree at Wheaton College and then attended Talbot Theological Seminary, where he graduated magna cum laude with a Master of Divinity degree. In 1961, he joined staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, and then shortly after that, he started Josh McDowell Ministry. He has addressed more than 25 million people over the years, and he's given over 27,000 talks in 125 different countries. In 1991, he founded a humanitarian association to meet people's physical and spiritual needs. That foundation is Operation Care Lift. It's delivered over $46 million worth of humanitarian aid to people around the world, and it's grown into one of the largest humanitarian aid organizations in the United States. It's also now a part of the Global Aid Network here in the USA. Since 1960, Josh has written or co-authored 142 books in over 100 languages, including More Than a Carpenter, which has sold over 27 million copies, and New Evidence That Demands a Verdict, named one of the 20th century's top 40 books and one of the 13 most influential books of the last 50 years on Christian thought. In addition to many other awards, Josh has been nominated 36 times for the Gold Medallion Award, and he's received that award four different times. In spite of all the honors and awards he's received, Josh will tell anyone that his greatest joys and pleasures come from his family. He and his wife, Dottie, have been married 43 years, and they have four children and 10 grandchildren. All that comes from Josh's bio, which is listed on his website, josh.org. Again, go to josh.org if you get a chance to find out more about Josh. Well, I'm excited that we get to bring to you the second part of this interview. We pick up with Josh talking about some of the manuscripts that he and his team found. This is exhilarating stuff, so welcome to the second part of the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Now, about all the manuscripts that you found, uh, this is just exciting. Some of these are the earliest ever found of those passages, and that's just exhilarating. What does all that tell us about the reliability of God's Word? Well, what it does, the more manuscripts you discover, now you have to understand, a manuscript is not a whole book. Technically, a manuscript is any part of that book. It could be the size of your uh, thumbnail. Any part of a manuscript is considered a whole manuscript, a portion of a manuscript. Same thing with a scroll. They just discovered new, nine new Dead Sea Scrolls, and most of them are about the size of a thumbnail. Wow. Uh, but they're very significant. Because you get enough of those like we have, then you can start uh, letter by letter by letter determining what the original work is of the New Testament and of what Jesus said. That's why these discoveries are so significant. Now, what is interesting, and I explain all of this in there, in the booklet, in the book, is that five of the six oldest that I discovered are Coptic, which are very valuable. But most people don't know what Coptic is. When Ellen, you hear of Coptic manuscripts, Coptic scrolls, Coptic 
uh, books, Coptic Christians out of Egypt, the Coptic faith. Well, what it is, when Alexander the Great conquered Egypt, he was weakened by his uh, using his power because he had to rule in two different languages. The, the Egyptian language, when he uh, conquered Egypt, uh, hieroglyphics, and then in Greek, his language. So he brought in the scholars and he said, I want you to take these two hieroglyphics in Greek and create one language that I can rule in. So what they did, they took the Greek letters, not the Greek words made. They took the Greek letters and then added the sounds of hieroglyphics to each one of those Greek letters and then composed words and a language out of it. And so uh, there was a top Greek scholar there with me. We discovered these and he swore they were Greek. Uh, manuscripts, but he couldn't tell what they were. And the reason was, it looks just like Greek, but it was Coptic. And uh, so once we understood that, what we had to do was translate the Coptic into Greek and then put the Greek into the um, database in the computer to find out what we had. Because the database for Greek is huge. For Coptic, it's really small. And so all you need is seven, eight, nine letters, and they will tell you what you what you have, um, where it's from, how many times it's used in other works, everything. It's incredible, Nate, wow. what we can do with a computer now. And so when I'm looking at these manuscripts right now in the book that they can download free, and they look like Greek, but they're actually, uh, five of them are uh, Coptic. So that's the difference between Coptic and the other, and I explained this in the book. Mm -hmm. Well, these finds are obviously incredible, but what's also impressing is the personal significance of these finds. Can you tell our audience about what God has communicated to you personally concerning these manuscripts? Well, not so much pertaining to these manuscripts, but because of these manuscripts. One... I really believe God is doing something great. There is such a tsunami of discoveries now. Many, I never dreamed in my lifetime we would have what we have. And, and I really believe this means God is going to do something huge. Mm -hmm. And second, it just gives me a greater conviction that I can trust the Bible that what I have is what was written down, that it has not been changed. And I would say in four to six years, you'll be able to really dogmatically say that uh, because of all these discoveries. And then it just gives me a greater confidence. And that's what in, in doing the book, God Breathe, I wanted these same things to happen in the lives of believers that read it. And that it gave me a greater conviction and courage to share my faith. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what came across to me. I could just see God personally being involved with you as he was also involved with the rest of us in displaying this evidence for the trustworthiness of his word. And it was so neat seeing how each one of those passages related to your life and ministry and how God allowed you to get your hands on these. It was just exciting Again, I hope that all of you listening today will go out and buy God Breathed as soon as you can. All right. And also go to readgodbreathed.com and download the booklet free. Absolutely. Readgodbreathed.com. It's about an 18-page booklet, I think it is. I've got it here in front of me. And it will encourage you. 
and it's something you can pass on to others. Print it off. So, in line with all this, how can we be confident that the Bible we have today is what was originally authored? You've touched on this before, but how could somebody out there today that says, you know, I would like to believe in God, I would like to believe there's more to this life, but can we really trust the Bible? What would you say to that person this morning? As a non-Christian, there were two questions I had to deal with. One, can I hold the New Testament in my hand and say what I have is what was written down or has it been changed? And second, which was more important to me, was what was written down true? True in this sense. I first had to conclude it's true that Jesus said this and did this. Then later I concluded that what he said was true. Do you see the difference there? Mm -hmm. I first had to conclude that, yes, Jesus said this and he did this. Paul wrote this. Paul did this. Then I had to conclude, well, was what he wrote true. Now, the first question, is what we have what was written down? You apply what's called a bibliographical test. That's a big word with little meaning. It just means you check out the manuscripts. You see, there's two questions here, or issues. One, the more manuscripts you have, the easier it is to reconstruct the original and check out any errors or discrepancies. The second question is, what is the dating? The closer the manuscripts you have, the copies to the original, usually the greater the accuracy. Why? The closer the manuscript you have usually means that manuscript has been copied fewer times, so less chance of human error to enter it. And that has been proven true. And then second with the number of manuscripts, you see if you have, say, 1620 manuscripts of John 316, and some of them say, for God so loved the world. Some say God thought a lot about the world. And some say, God thought the world was cool. How do you know what the original is? You can't. But if you have four, five hundred, then there are certain principles you apply to come up with the original, what's called a pure text, the percentage of a pure text of what the original said. Well, as I think I stated earlier, when I first came out with evidence, I documented 24,000 633 manuscripts now with the entire book and all the new discoveries and everything, and there's still more out there to be found, can document 66,400 uh, and some. Well, now, it, like this Greek scholar said, we have the original wordings of the New Testament. Now, with a computer and the software, using these manuscripts, we can easily figure out what the original wording is. But if you only have 8, 10, 12, 15 manuscripts, like most literature in history, you can't do that. And then with the timeline, uh, the closer the copy is, the greater the accuracy. You see, they start out with the original, and then maybe they need they would copy it for two reasons. One, maybe it started to deteriorate. The letters started to fade, so they had to recopy to retain it, or they needed more copies, so they do 10. And then these 10 copies they would copy. Why? Well, either after time, maybe the letters started to fade, whatever, or they needed 50 copies. So they would copy 50 copies, then 100, 200, 500, 1,000. And the, the issue is, the closer the manuscript you have to the original, the greater the accuracy is the rule of thumb, because it normally means it was copied less, fewer times, and less chance of human error. And so what these manuscript discoveries does is give you confidence that what we have is what was written down. 
And this is what I document in the book. So uh, people can walk away and say, wow, now I understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think when they walk away with that, they're going to walk away, woo, i got to share this with others. Absolutely. That's my dream. That's my dream. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution, go to godsolutionshow.com to see the stations that we're on and to get all of our past shows. We're talking with Josh McDowell, world-renowned Christian apologist, about his new book, God Breathed. Thanks so much for listening. Some in our audience may be considering the question, what about the supposed contradictions in Scripture? Oh, I love that. Um, you, you can't. The statement you made is not a right statement. You need to state it this way, Nate. The alleged discrepancies. Absolutely. You can't say the discrepancy. The reason is, we don't know the answers to all of them now, but oh my gosh, the list has been cut to one-third of what people say were discrepancies, mistakes, have been shown no. They were alleged discrepancies. And the more manuscripts we discover, the more of these, quote, alleged discrepancies are going to disappear. But this is where you have to be careful. With uh, They say, well, look at all the variants. There's about 200 or more, 200,000 variants in the New Testament. They say that's horrible. That's more than any other book in history. Well, thank God it is more than any other book in history. Why? There's no other book in history that has such a substantial discovery of manuscripts like the Bible. Come on, the Bible has 66,400 some, and number two is the Iliad with 1,800. Well, of course the Bible has more alleged variances. But here it is. 95% of all the variances, Nate, are spelling like H-O-N-O-R or H-O-N-O-U-R. 95% 95% of them are spelling. And others uh, are uh, stylistic changes and all. And only a very small, tiny percentage is any question whatever what was meant in the original wording. But here is where people get thrown off and nobody seems to point it out. Let's say somebody copies a scripture, a manuscript, and utter, instead of H-O-N-O-U-R, they copied H-O-N-O-R. The difference between the English and the American. It would be now N-R. Well, that's a, that's a uh, variant. But then that manuscript is copied 40 times. All of a sudden you've got 40 variances, but it's only really one. And then those 40 manuscripts are copied maybe 300 times, now you get 341 variances. Do you see how the more manuscripts you have, the multi- multiplication of the same variant? And people don't point that out. You only have a handful of true variances. But because so many people wanted the scripture, they kept copying over and over, sometimes two, three, four, five hundred times, one variant. But it's counted as 600 variances. So that uh, and I explained this in the book, and that helps people, I think, to see uh, how you approach the Scripture when it comes to variances. In closing, I would like to ask one final question, and I think it's one that you would love to answer. Josh, what about the person out there today that has not yet made a decision to trust Christ? What is Christ's message, and what would you tell that person? 
Well, I would say that person, that Christianity is not religion, but a relationship. Religion is men and women trying to work their way to God through good works and religious ritual. Trying to live the sincere life of my good works outweigh my bad works. God will be pleased and accept me. That has nothing to do with becoming a Christian. Christianity is a relationship. It's God coming to us, offering us a relationship with himself. In Exodus 34, 14, where it uses the word God is a jealous God, <coughs> this is how you would translate that verse. You should worship God by no other name, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. And I would say to anyone listening right now, it's a relationship. We begin that relationship by exercising our will and asking Christ to come into our life as saving one. The Bible says, but to as many as received him, to them give you the right to become a child of God. And the thing I did just before that is when the Bible said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So one, we confess our sins. And when I did that, I didn't know a whole lot, Nate. I, I just said, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask your forgiveness, not because I've done anything, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. And then second, to say, God, if you're God and Christ is your son, and as your Bible says, I need to receive Christ into my life as Savior Lord, then right now, I invite you into my life. Take over the control of life, my life. I trust you as my personal Savior and my personal Lord. And then last, I prayed, thank you. So I just said, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I confess my sins. Right now, I accept you into my life. And third, I thanked him. Or fifth, I thanked him. And never knowing that over a period of six months, a year, year and a half, that would totally transform my life. So that's what I would share with anyone out there. Nate, it's been good chatting with you, guy. Thank yeah, you so thank much. you. It's been great. I've got to run here. Okay, Josh, thank you so much. It's been a huge pleasure. Thank you for your lifetime you. of ministry, for the influence you had on me and countless others. I can't wait to uh, to celebrate eternity together, and I'm thankful again hey, for all you've done. After I meet Jesus, Paul, and a few others, I'd love to have coffee with you. Sounds great. Thank okay, you so buddy. much. God bless you. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the second part of the interview with Josh McDowell. Again, you can go to GodSolutionShow.com to get both parts of this interview with Josh McDowell about his new book, God Breathed. You can also go to Josh.org. Again, that's Josh.org for more information about Josh McDowell. What I loved most about Josh's evidence and the interview that we just had with him was also just seeing God's heart and his personality displayed through how he showed this evidence to Josh. And I wanted to share how I have come to know God personally. Peter writes in the New Testament to always be prepared to give an answer to people who ask you for the hope that you have. And through this personal relationship with God, I have a tremendous amount of hope and trust in him that he's going to come through and be who he says he is. And the reason why I have that hope is actually my life didn't start out with much hope or trust at all. My family was, my parents were divorced when I was two, and there's just this history of kind of darkness and alcoholism and different things growing up to where I just didn't find the world to be a safe or trustful place. Unfortunately, I've seen people physically harm my mom and different hurtful things that children shouldn't have to see. 
And so growing up, I began to realize that I was projecting this upon God. I didn't trust God, and I didn't trust him to be who he said he was. What if he is like all these other countless adults who were just kind of shams and didn't they didn't come through to be who they said they were? So my mom, being a single mom, she didn't really have the authoritative ability to kind of discipline us and lead us spiritually. And so I just had a lot of freedom, and church was the last place I wanted to go. It seemed really rigid, and it did not seem like a place I wanted to be. But I ended up going to this youth group, and I got to hear the message of Jesus. And at the end of the youth group, the staff lady opened up her Bible, and she read straight from the Bible from Jesus' mouth. She read John 10.10, where Jesus speaks, and he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Five comes so that you might have life and life to the full. And up to this point in my Christian experience, I had been to church kind of here and there, but I'd never heard Jesus's message spoken like this. So I was really interested and I leaned way forward and it made me ask questions. Do I have this full life? And what about these Christians around me who they obviously have something I don't? And like I said, they have this kind of peace and this comfort. And so I kept going to this youth group, and I just kept hearing more and more about Jesus. And ultimately, what it came down to, like I was just sharing, was I realized I had this trust issue, and I needed to believe in God by faith that he is who he says he is, and that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And so just that night, I responded in prayer, and I just prayed for God to forgive me of my sins, and I wanted to trust him as Lord. And I took that step of faith, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I was heading to college as a new believer, and it was really great. I stepped out of my car trying to find where my dorm was, and I met some staff at the campus ministry. And that's when I began to get trained and discipled, and I was learning God's Word more than ever. And like I said, now I have this tremendous amount of confidence and peace and hope and security in the Word. So I want to share this good news to you that was also shared with me. And just in four simple points, one is just that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. He wishes the best for you and his thoughts about you outnumber the grains of sand in the sea. But something keeps us from knowing God personally and experiencing this love with him. And that's sin. Sin is just this act of rebellion and choosing our own selfish ways instead of God. I've always just had a firm grip on the steering wheel and it was really hard for me to give that up. And that sin and that control, is, it creates a chasm between us and God. But this is the good news. So God didn't leave it there. He sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son, into the world. And Jesus died on the cross, and he bridged that chasm between us. We always hear that people are trying to climb the mountain and get to God, but I don't find that to be correct. God came down to us, and he provided the way for us. And that was through his son, Jesus Christ. And this isn't enough just to agree intellectually on these things. Lastly, we need to personally receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And like I said, in my life, that was through prayer and this step of trust and faith in God being who he said he is. So today I invite you to take that step of faith and you could reflect your heart through words and through prayer, talking to God and just say, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. I believe that you are who you say you are. You are God and that you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to come into my life and make me the person you made me to be. And if you made that decision, I'm rejoicing with you and I'm so excited. It says in the Bible that you're now adopted as a son or a daughter of God and that there is a celebration in heaven going on for you. So I'm so excited for you. What a great way to celebrate the 4th of July. 
Well, again, I hope you're having a great 4th of July weekend. And I hope that you'll go to godsolutionshow.com to check out the past interviews, including these with Josh McDowell, and to see a list of local churches that you could visit this weekend, and even to leave us some feedback and comments about the show. Use the contact form there. Do not miss next week's show. We're going to be interviewing Dr. Sean McDowell, Josh McDowell's son, and it'll be a great interview. I hope you don't miss that. Again, thank you so much for listening. Continue to get the word out about the God Solution Show and tell your friends about it and keep listening. It's exciting getting to do this show and having a much larger and broader audience, and I'm glad that you're still listening. Don't miss the show next week. Hope you have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. Like I always say, an open mind, an honest heart, a humble disposition, and a diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful afternoon.